0: Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the question the young man was asking. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the beat of this man's heart and wanting to have all that this life had to offer to him. He was asking the right questions. He was trying to grapple with the right decisions. The desire of his heart, as it brought him to the Lord Jesus Christ, is the thing that is a problem and as it's the base of our life today. And his problem is the same as ours. It's interesting. We think that some things have changed as they have, but there are basic things that have not changed and will not change as long as this world stands. And the basic problem that this man had is one and the same problem that you and I must grapple with today if we're really serious about this business of living. Now he came to the right place. He was asking the right question. He was talking to the right man and the right man gave him the right answer. But This man, no more than we today, can really believe that this is really the truth. This man could not believe what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying. He could not accept the answer that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to him in this business of living. Now, it's interesting to note that in asking the Lord Jesus Christ the question that he did, he was involved in a situation and caught up in a scheme and a thinking of things in in a context of where that he was asking Jesus basically about life that was yet to come. He was thinking in terms of that when God called him, he wanted to enter into that blissful glory that God has prepared for those people that belong to him. But it's interesting to note that Jesus did not honor that question that way. He changed the statement just a little, but oh, what a difference it makes. And he said, if you would enter life, He's not talking about something 10 years, 15 years, three weeks, or, or whatever death overtake you. Jesus changed the emphasis completely and totally. It's not something that you do out here in the future. But the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to this young man, if you would enter life, you must do this and do it now. Not tomorrow, next day, or two years from now. And if you do it today, it doesn't mean that you're gonna have life 10 years from now or whenever God makes contact with your soul the required from this physical body. But Jesus is saying in a very emphatic way that if you would enter life, you can do it now and you do it this way. But we don't quite believe it, do we? We know that we have the answer. I doubt whether I would have an argument with any of you because this is what the scripture says, unless you have some argument with the scriptures, that uh, talking to you personally, you would say, well, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ has the answer. He gave it to this young man. Now, there's some difference between desiring something and really having it. Most of us desire it, but can we really believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us the answer to inner life today? Now, the way that this problem manifests itself in our lives and in our society can be seen in this fashion. We really can't believe that we're not a permanent fixture here upon the face of this earth. Now there's an Old Testament character that we know as Abraham. And he stands out bold and clear. And as we read the story about old Abraham, these souls of ours have a way of catching the fire. Something burns within us because we can sense that what this man was saying and what scribe as saying about old Abraham is true. And it ought to be said about all of us, each one of us. He talks about old Abraham going out when he was called of God, not knowing where he was going, trusting God. Now saying of old Abraham that uh, when he went out into this promised land that God had given to him, and old Abraham knew he was living in this promised land. He knew he was right where God had given him a possession. But Abraham never found it really convenient to take time out to build him a permanent home out of bricks or earth and stone and wood. Rather, the writer says of this man that he would rather to live in a tent and give his time uh, to God uh, than to spend it in this fashion. Now, you know, when we listen to something like that, my soul thrills to it. That's it. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. His eye is on God. Well, if I say old Abraham had his eye on God, and that's what the book of Hebrews says over in the New Testament, the roll call of faith, said he had his eye on God. Well, if old Abraham could do that, what about you and me today? What about us? Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so soon past Easter, the resurrection. And we have the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit. If Abraham could do this, knowing the limited things that he knew, you and I today, we ought to be able to do in a fantastic way. Keeping our eye upon the Lord Jesus Christ and entering into life. We think we're going to be here a long time. We read much about nature today and And you can almost pick up any magazine and you'll find something pertaining to nature and to conservation. And I'm always amazed. I read here some time ago they found a tree that was actually older than the redwoods. But the redwoods, you know, the oldest living thing, I suppose, here upon the earth. Unless it is this other little tree, scraggly tree upon the mountainside somewhere that they have found. Some two or three thousand years of age. Well, I suppose the redwood trees could really say that this earth is their home. But what is your life expectancy in relation to the redwood tree? And they're only here for even two to three thousand years. Or maybe you saw that program last night on TV. It is a fantastic thing talking about the phenomena of the universe and these fine objects and so forth, and talking about some of the unanswered problems that is manifested within nature. Thinking about the stars that have been hanging out in the universe for billions of years. Billions of years. Well, I suppose the star could say that this universe is their home. Because they've been there a long time. and Evidently, they're going to stay there another long spell. But what about your life expectancy in relation to one of these heavenly bodies? Someone cut a tree here in our state, and I lost the paper that I had on it, and they said... According to the rings on the thing, the thing was uh, somewhere n- near between three and four hundred years of age and lived that long. Well, I suppose maybe that tree in a way could say that they have a more of a claim upon this earth as being their home uh, than you and I can because we don't live a fraction as long as that tree has. The scriptures try to tell us that our life is like grass, comes up in the morning and thrown into the furnace and dies that our life is like a dream or a sound or I like this one. One thought of it as uh, our life being like a wet match. It never really catches fire. It just smokes and goes out. Or the writer that said uh, let us number our days in order that we might be able to ply our hearts unto wisdom. Now you don't have to believe this at all. You don't have to believe any part of it or you can only believe part of it. And you can go and do and be just as foolish as this young man that came to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, if we have never really understood that this world is really not our home, you know we make fun sometimes of that old song and tune that goes, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with the theology in that thing. It's right on target. Now, if we have never believed that, or if we have heard it and still don't believe it, beloved, we've got a problem, you see. Because you see, we will never give the soul the attention that it needs until we come to the place where we really believe it. Because we're not going to spend any time in prayer like we ought to. We're not going to take any time out for meditation. We're not going to come apart from a busy life and just sit down and be away from this world as best we can and think about it and about life. Because this would be foolishness to us. Now, we're not going to get too heft up about this business of going to church. We're not going to be too great at this business of being a churchman, a church person, because we've got the more important things to do. We're not going to be too concerned about what we give to the Lord, about our time and our talent. We're not going to be too concerned about how much we give to the Lord in anything, because we know we're going to be here for a long while. Oh, I've had experiences like this through my ministry there's never a year gone by but what's something like this but I have a very specific case in mind I remember there was a man and a very capable person but he was too busy didn't have time for the preacher go to him at night and didn't have time go to him and talk to his business he didn't have time his wife had time to come to church but he didn't have time on a Sunday he had to take care of his house he had a beautiful home no question about that it was a lovely thing And with help that he got to himself on a Sunday, he took real good care of it. And I'll have to say that his grass looked neat and trim. I remember one day his wife called and says, my husband passed away. Will you have his funeral. He's got time now. He's got time now. He didn't live to be more than 55 years of age. He's got time now. When, when we forget, when we forget we get into a mess we give far too much time to securing things to securing things you know i don't know what you was as of tonight some of you are if you keep up with the procedure of the methodist church and you know what goes on you know the bishop and his cabinet they were meeting the week ago down at e-town to make the appointments for all the churches this coming year the conference is going to be here at christ church the 24th but it's already been signed. Who's going to go where this coming year? Well, it's always sort of an interesting time for a Methodist preacher. He's got to always be ready to do whatever the bishop says. And so if you heard some of the stuff that was going around, you know all the preachers sort of added in for me and they're trying to give me a bad time for some reason. Down there. But one of them called me about 11 o'clock one night while the cabinet was in session. Now he's got a pretty good voice. was imitating the bishop. And he called me and says, uh, Brother Don... This is the bishop. You know we're in session down at Eat Town, and I would like for you in the morning to come down because we want to talk to you. We got some things in mind to talk over with you. And so we talked on a while, and then he said, "Now will you do that?" And immediately when he said that, I knew it was not the bishop because uh, no bishop will ask you, "Will you do it?" He'll just tell you to do it. You know, <laughs> that's where it happens. And so I knew that I was being had, and so I said to the fellow on the phone, I said, Well now, Bishop, I appreciate you being interested in me, and I appreciate the cabinet, but I'll call you back tomorrow and let you know whether or not I'm coming. Well, that just blew that other preacher's mind, and he told me who he was. But you know, that didn't make me... Two nervous one way or the other, because we as Methodist preachers, we're geared to this type of thing. We know that the bishop and the cabinet, that's, that's the procedure of our church, what they do. But you know, right after that telephone conversation, I walked out in my garage, and I turned the light on, and I tell you, I nearly got sick. I don't want anyone to come to see me. That's a, it's a disgrace. It's a shame. I'm glad I've got a door to that garage. I can pull it down, you know, because the awfulest mess of stuff that you've ever seen in your life is in that garage. It's made for a car, but my wife reminds me, for three years she's not been able to pull her car in that garage, and that's the truth. I got so nervous about the situation, I said, come tomorrow, I'm going to start getting rid of this stuff, and the junk collector will take it. But I put some things out, and he wouldn't take it. So. <laughs> well, now I'm saying that to say this. And is it not a tendency on our part to clutter our life with things I could get rid of everything in that garage up there and my lifestyle would not be changed one whit. I'd probably feel a lot better about it that the bishop called me, I'll tell you that. But the thing about it is, we go through life Is about not a tendency on our part to pick up so many things of this world that we encumber ourselves in such a way that we become more involved with the things than we do with the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And beloved, I want to tell you that can happen to you without trying. It's not that we set our heart and our mind and our soul to be mean and difficult and hard or to be obstinate with God. It's just accumulation of things if we're not careful. If we forget for one moment that we're going somewhere at a supersonic rate of speed, this is exactly what we will do. When I forget that I'm a Methodist preacher, I begin to accumulate a lot of things that I have no need for and ought not do it. And so do we. As we go about this business of living, if we're not careful, it's something that almost weekly we have to remind ourselves who we are and what we are and who we belong to and be ready to respond to him and to respond to his call where, when, and how he calls on us and stop this business of cutting our lives up in such a fashion that it's difficult for God to manage us. And then... As the scripture points out to us, Jesus said on one occasion that if you forget that you're only here for a little while and you're a steward and you're going to be called on one of these days, you will begin to mistreat one another. And you begin to spend your time in foolishness instead of putting it to work as you ought to do it. Well, now, we don't go out and beat and mistreat one another, not too much anymore. But you know, the greatest insult of all, I suppose, is for us to live as if another person did not exist. We never are able to see one another. What a tragedy. All this will happen to us, and it will happen to you if you forget. If you forget who you are, and what you are, and your call of God. You know, one of the things, I, I don't care what preacher it is, and what denomination he happens to belong to, it's always music to his ear when he can hear people saying of the people that he's privileged to live and to work with that that's a friendly group of people. They love one another and they take time to be with one another. I want to tell you that's beautiful. Wherever I hear it and whenever I hear it and that's a beautiful thing. Let no one, let no person that lives among us, let no person that lives among us wish for death rather than to live in our midst. Let no person come to the place where they would rather be dead than to live among us. And if we forget who we are and what we've been called to be and how we've been called to minister one to the other, do you know this can happen? This can really happen. And a person can come to the place where they feel that no one cares. No one but you know something that if each one of us will do now it's no one person can do all this but if each one of us will do what we ought to do and what we can do and you be nice and kind and considerate to the people that walk into your life my what a difference it makes and I want to tell you you won't have to wait around to know what it is to enter into life beloved you have already entered into life now when we remember oh when we remember when we remember that our days are numbered and God has a hold of our time schedule, I tell you, you're on the threshold of entering into life. Don't be afraid. It's the most wonderful thing upon the face of this earth. The most wonderful thing that I could ever possibly tell you about is coming to a place where you know that your life is in the hand of a living God. He orders your way. He is in charge. Submit yourself to Him. Keep it in mind. And I want to tell you, you have stepped right through the door that Jesus was talking about, and you're not going to have to wait till you die to know what entering life means. You're going to know it right here, right now. Life begins at this very moment and at this very time. You do not need a lot of things to be happy, let me assure you of that. And if you will keep in mind what we're talking about this morning and give God and the Lord Jesus Christ the place in your heart and your soul where it ought to be, that you're going to have a lot more time to do the things that make for great experiences. Oh, you'll have time. You're going to have time to do it. And you're going to be able to see the great beauty of nature. You're going to be able to hear the birds sing. And you're going to see how beautiful people really are. You're going to be able to see people in a new light. You're going to be able to see them as the creation of God. You're going to be able to see them as the one great love that God has in his life or his whole universe is tied up within that human being. And, beloved, you're going to come to a place where you can enjoy this hour, this hour. It's a tragedy. One of the great psychologists of our time in a book that he's written has made a statement that a great number of our people never live. They always live in a Neverland, a time that is yet to come. But they can never settle down and really live this hour. They're always postponing their life. I'm going to live when. I'm going to live then. But they never come to the place where they make a decision to live this hour. Leave yesterday be what it is. Because the grace of God is sufficient. And leave tomorrow be what it will be. Because that's in the hand of God. Today, God has created. And I am his creation. And you can enjoy this day like you wouldn't believe because you're free from all of the worry and all of this what might happen to you come tomorrow. Well, let it come. Aren't you in the hands of a living God? Aren't you aware of the fact that he's conscious of you? Let it come. Tomorrow he may call, but let that be. Today I will rejoice with him. I was talking to a man here Friday that drives new trucks and trailers and buses that are manufactured in California somewhere and he delivers them all over this country and into Canada and into Mexico and he spends all his time on the road he drives the thing out the new equipment out and leaves it and then he flies back I was talking to him about the truckers Uh, he is one of them and uh, how I appreciate their being sensitive and their being willing to stop and to aid uh, a motorist that is in trouble And this man said to me, he says, well, he says, I've never passed a motorist on the road that I saw was in trouble, but what I didn't pull the equipment over to the side and get out and try to help them. I said, well, why do you do that? He says, because I'm a traveling man on the road and I know what it can mean to be out after dark at midnight and later on driving and being in trouble and no one stopping. I'm a traveler and they're away from home. And I know they want to get home. And so I stop and help them. My, what a spirit. That's precisely what Jesus is talking about here. And that's true of every living one of us. Beloved, you're not home. You just might think you are. But God never intended for you to settle down upon the face of this earth as if you were going to live here a thousand years. He just didn't do it that way. We are travelers together on this highway of life. And beloved, when you remember that, you're going to be kind, and you're going to be considerate, and you're going to be understanding. I was talking to a young man the other day that set out in this world to own about half of it, I think, and was doing a real good job. But one morning he woke up and he found the lump right here on his shoulder, sticking up a little more than it should be. He went to the doctor and the doctor told him and says, You've got cancer. Says we should operate immediately. The dead. But in the time that he was in the hospital, he said, I'm not the same guy that went into the hospital, not at all. may look like the same character, but I'm not the same man at all. He says, I'm different completely and totally from the bottom of my foot to the top of my head. He says, now you well know that I set out in order to make my share of this world's wealth. He was off to a good start. Yes, I, I know. He says, I didn't have any time for anyone or anything. And he says, the only thing I was thinking about was making money. And I didn't care how I got it or who I hurt or who I walked over. He said, but you know what I'm going to do now? He says, I know that what I'm going to do now that I'll probably not have much more money than to live on and maybe not do that too well. He says, I want to be a teacher. He says, I'm going to teach. He says, I'm going to give the rest of my days to young people. Don't necessarily want to teach in college, though I've got a degree that say I could, but I'm thinking in terms of high school. I want to teach. I want to be in a position where I can give myself in a way that will make a difference to those that I work with and I'm going to teach. Well, he's doing it. He's doing it. Completely and totally changed. When we remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is calling to us, if you would enter life now, you put me at the center of your heart and your soul. Keep your eye on me and you will find life today beloved I am not only willing to rest the case of the Christian cause at that moment at this place but I'm also committing my soul to this place and I hope that you have reached that decision if you've not already done so to do that today as well